You're listening to the CRBC Barbados Podcast. I'm your host, John Rittersgaard, pastor of Covenant Reformed Baptist Church of Barbados. Welcome back to the CRBC Barbados Podcast. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Aline, who is a deacon of CRBC. And in conjunction with Pastor Chris and Toronto, of course, who our listeners were introduced to on the first podcast episode, Jonathan and I provide local leadership to CRBC here in Barbados. So, Jonathan, uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast. And let's start with a personal introduction. You were the first Barbadian-born leader of our church, and uh, we ordained you to the diaconate of CRBC in 2020, which is really just a fancy way of saying you became a deacon in 2020. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to faith, how you first met some of the others who are now members of CRBC, and then my intention for our conversation today is we'll move from there to how you and that group of friends experienced the beginnings of CRBC from the Bajan side of things, as opposed to from, um, you know, mine and Chris's Canadian perspective, which we shared in episode one. I want to, I want our listeners to hear how you guys in Barbados experienced the beginnings of CRBC. So let's start with a personal intro though, and how you met some of those friends who got connected up, ended up getting connected with CRBC. Sure. Well, with respect to my testimony, I am uh, the firstborn of a family of four. And um, in that family, we were kind of inundated with uh, the teachings of the Bible. Uh, we, we are a family who used to have family worship. And uh, my mother and father would make sure that we went to church every Sunday, kicking and screaming uh, didn't matter. Um, so I think the Lord really used that consistent uh, method of sharing of the things of Christ, sharing the gospel week after week, month by month, year by year, to uh, really arrest my heart uh, concerning my sin, concerning uh, my apathy especially, and um, really draw me to Christ through that. I'm, I don't have a specific date that I came to faith. Well, praise God for a family like that. Oh yeah, coming up. Oh yeah, what a yeah. blessing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Especially, especially in Barbados, because that I don't even think that sort of thing is really taught in churches per se. Like family worship, family and whatnot. worship, and yeah. so on. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't think so. I think my my mother especially was just very um forceful about making sure her kids still yeah. praying and yeah, sure. having some bible teaching yeah. um so yeah I, I came to faith maybe around 17 18 i would say uh and uh it, it was kind of weird for my pastor because one day uh this guy who just used to ask a lot of questions in sunday school and ask him a whole bunch of questions all the time just said, you know, I would like to be baptized. And that probably came to him from left field because many times uh, I was just very inquisitive, uh, just extremely curious. And because as, as uh, Peter would say, you know, everything isn't, you know, easily understood. There, mm. there's some writings in the scripture that are not easily mm. understood. And mm. when, when they came to me, I'm like, so what about this? And what about that? Um, so he, for, for him, maybe receiving all those questions, he, he may have t taken it as well. I'm more skeptical than interested. Right, right. And, and so when I, when I came to him and told him that he, he was like, uh, he was encouraged, but, uh, I'm sure he was taken aback. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was, uh, more than a decade ago now. 
And uh, having come to faith, I um, I think there was a lot, certainly a lot of hypocrisy the Lord rescued me from because because I was raised in a Christian family, there was always a Christian facade and front that was put on mm. when I was just living like a worldling. Um, and w- when I, when I decided to commit my life to following Christ, uh, I was doing so along with another person who's a member of our church now, who was a school friend, Tevin. Mm. So we were at school, we were very close friends throughout secondary school. So that's between ages 12 to, I think we left around 17, 18. And, um, we were walking through life then. We spent our first jobs. Was it my, well, certainly my first job. It might have been his second job, uh, during summer, uh, together. And it was there, um, uh, that we really encountered the doctrines of grace. Mm. So, on on the construction site one day, like we were just talking because it was our custom to like just talk about Christ on the construction site with with some pretty raw. Uh, you, well, you you probably know the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the blue collar boy. Yeah, exactly the blue collar boy. And and you know the the what what you would call the locker room talk is just the normal talk, yeah, yeah. you know. So yeah, we're talking to these guys, Rastas. We're talking to these guys who are like boys from the block, and you know, pretty pretty um in terms of uh the the moniker of the prodigal son type mm, thing that mm. that was them and one day like feeling discouraged because we're talking to the guys for like weeks now uh like we had this conversation where we're like well why aren't they coming why why aren't they coming to christ like don't they get it like you know can't they see that they're sinners in need of a savior and my response to Tevin's question at the time was like, well, they're blind. They, they can't see unless God opens their eyes. And that really puzzled him so much, so much so that he went home and researched it. Mm. Like that very question. Mm. He went on, uh, I think it was karm.org at the time okay. uh, and, and looked it up. And after that, that small conversation just, uh, burst into like a, a whole new world. Put you guys on a path of looking into, you know, the nature of our state outside of Christ. Oh and, yeah. You know, how do we come to faith and how all that works? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, so me and me and Tevin were pretty connected in that way. And I was not at that time at all. Like I didn't know what, I didn't know what reformed meant besides in its common generic use of the term. Right. I didn't know what, uh, reformed Baptists were. Right. I didn't know what Calvinism was, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just a guy who opened my Bible, read it from time to time, probably not with the level of consistency then, certainly than I do now. And just thought like, you know, there, it, to me, it seemed at the time like, God has to do a work in order right. to open your eyes. And uh having having researched that he came back and he was just like, Yeah, like that's true. But what about this predestination stuff? Uh, <laughs> what about this predestination? <laughs> and I was just like, What? Like what like where where did where did you go and find that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> what dark isle of the internet did you pick that up yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So well, well, let's let's pause here for a second, and and I mean, we're talking about the doctrines of grace. Yeah, we're talking about Calvinism. We're talking about reform. Let, we'll come back to the narrative in a second here. Sure. You know, so you've shared with us how you came to faith and how you connected with Tevin. Yeah. We'll come back to that narrative, 
But uh, for a second here, let's just stop and define these things. We've been talking about doctrines of grace. We've dropped sure. the buzzword Calvinism. Sure. We've said reform. <laughs> right. uh, what what does this mean? Right. What we are covenant reformed Baptist church. What 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 does reform mean? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of people take that to mean simply the five points of Calvinism. So mm. when people hear that, they think uh, of the acronym TULIP, uh, Total Depravity, T, Unlimited, uh, sorry, Unconditional Election, U, Limited Atonement, L, Irresistible Grace, I, and Perseverance or Preservation of the Saints, P. Um, so this is called Calvinism. Yeah, I think when people when people hear that, uh, generally those two terms go synonymous. Calvinism, Calvinism and reform and reformed right. tulips are all in the broad. So two questions here: Did Calvin invent these doctrines, and are the reformed people that believe what Calvin says more so than the Bible? <laughs> yeah, that, well, that definitely not. I'm, uh, Calvin didn't come up with these things calvin may have done some helpful work in mm. synthesizing some of these teachings but these teachings emanate straight from the the mind of god paul wrote the book of romans mm. and a lot of that work, many years before calvin uh, <laughs> millennia <laughs> almost uh, almost two millennia before calvin right uh so yeah so i so I they're called by calvin's name yeah but calvin didn't invent them yeah. We believe that they come from the Bible. Yeah, ex- exactly. So walk us through t- this tulip. Sure, sure. So uh, total depravity, uh, which which Tevin and I stumbled on those many years ago, uh, refers to the state of men in that they are wholly incapable of doing any uh, anything that would merit salvation or would prepare themselves for salvation. Mm. So there's uh, this analogy that goes on, you know, well, are you a, a person who's swimming at the top of the sea and you throw yourself out to get the rope that God throws out to you? Mm. Or is it that you're a dead corpse at the bottom? Mm. And total depravity would say you're a dead corpse at the bottom. Right. You can't do anything uh, to save yourself. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the T. Um, you, unconditional election, means that God chose uh, to save you before you were born, before the world was even created in eternity past, as, as we, we would say, uh, before there was a beginning, God determined that he would uh, save a people for himself. Mm-hmm. And it was not on the basis of any condition or any uh, prerequisite that was to be found in them. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was all of God's free choice. Uh, and uh, that kind of follows logically from the T because well if you can't do anything to save yourself well someone will then you couldn't meet any condition. You couldn't meet any condition. Right. So so um so that that's the U. Um after that there's the L limited atonement. Uh Christ through his vicarious death on the cross, meaning um through a death that was not because of um any sins that he did, but it was on behalf of others uh, he died to save a certain set of people. Mm. Again, this flows from the you because unless we're going to say that God elected everyone and we go into universalism, uh, we would have to say that Christ died on the cross for a certain set of people. 
so limited atonement just means that uh, when when Christ died on the cross, uh, it was for a certain set of people that for which he died. The elect. Not, the elect, right. exactly. And not for, as as people would say, like every single human being who, who ever lived. Mm. Um, so that's, that's the L. Um, uh, and then the I, irresistible grace, uh, speaks to the effectual call of God. So you're totally depraved. So how do you ever get to the point where you uh, reach out to God in faith and trust savingly in Christ? Well, uh, within the Reformed tradition, we would say that there is an effectual call by the Spirit, that the Spirit raises our dead hearts to life so that we can see the light of the glory of Christ. Mm. And and so that that isn't something that he does to every single person um, on, on earth or whoever lived, but for those who are elected, for those whom Christ died. And so we see the Trinitarian work of God in, mm. in Tulip, that God the Father chose, Christ died for those the Father chose, and the Spirit draws to Christ. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's the um, irresistible grace that, uh, that God will uh, draw to faith all those whom he has chosen. Mm-hmm. And then P is simply that those who he's chosen, those whom Christ has died for, will persevere to the end or will be preserved uh, by, mm-hmm. by God's grace to the end. So until the day you draw like uh Christ takes you all the way home. Right. So So this is what's called reformed soteriology or or the reformed doctrine of salvation. Yeah. And a lot of times when people say reformed, they're they're basically talking about this reformed soteriology or what we call Calvinism. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's one way of using the phrase reformed. Um there is a sort of a, a broader sense in which the word is sometimes used to also encompass not just Reformed soteriology, but other historic uh, beliefs and distinctives. So, for example, not only Calvinism, but also things like covenant theology, as opposed to dispensationalism or other ways of putting the meta narrative of the Bible together. Yeah. Uh, things like the regulative principle of worship, which means that we do in our worship services only those things that are explicitly commanded or have a positive, positive biblical precedent. Yeah. Um, so in other words, only what is commanded may be done in worship as opposed to the other view, which is whatever's not prohibited in the yeah. Bible is acceptable <laughs> yeah. in worship. Is a normative principle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Things like the perpetuity of the 10 commandments mm. that even new covenant believers ought to obey the 10 commandments, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So there's sort of like the, the usage of reformed, which means, basically Calvinist, right? right, Or holding what these five points that are sometimes called the doctrines of grace, yeah. reform soteri- soteriology. But then there's also sort of another way of using the word reform to mean sort of more broadly and historically reformed, including some of those other distinctives. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all of those things are things that we, that we hold to and believe at CRBC. Yeah. We hold the 1689 Baptist confession of faith, um, which is a historical document subservient to scripture, um, not on par with or above scripture, but basically what we believe is an excellent summary oh, yeah. of biblical yeah. teaching, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so we're, we're reformed, um, not only in soteriology, but in, in that broader way yeah. as well. Yeah. All right. So we've defined terms a little bit. Can we get back to the narrative? So you, sure. you've explained how you've been, how you were saved, 
how you came to meet Tevin, how you guys started thinking about Reformed soteriology, uh, doctrines of grace. What happened next? <laughs> so you guys started going down this this rabbit hole of, well, what about predestination? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so just to to continue this this uh, story, um, yeah. Af- after going down that rabbit hole, like it it took a while to be honest to to, to digest and even accept some of that stuff. Uh, but we did. And, uh, for us at that point, we became, it, it was like a whole new world. It was honestly radically different from what we had been taught in churches. We soon, uh, began, uh, studying together. And this would have happened during our time at university. Now at university, I knew, uh, several persons who went to the same school. So Tevin attended the same secondary school as Brandon and uh, we knew each other, but also attending that school was uh, Chanel, uh, Shalisa, a number of other persons mm-hmm. attended that school. And we, we all got put together in the same year or, or one year apart at university. So we all met up and there I got in contact with Kamar and we just, it, it, like, we became kindred spirits. Mm. It, it was, it was for him. Well, I, I'm, get, I'm not. I mean, maybe one day he, he'll get sure. But for him, he just used to be reading the Bible, and he came to this understanding of, of total depravity without ever hearing with, about Calvin or, or reading Calvin's Institutes. Whoa. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> just, I, just the Bible. Just man. literally just the, just Bible. the Bible. So, so I'm telling, I'm yeah. telling him about this stuff in one of the one of the rooms, and he was just like, "Oh, so you mean like in uh, Romans 3? I was just like, "Yeah, yeah." So you've heard about total depravity? I was like, "No, but I know what Romans 3 says." Yeah. And I was just like, "Yes, that like it. It's literally yeah. just a synthesis." Romans just, 3, Romans 9, yeah. Ephesians 1, John 6, <laughs> 2 Corinthians 4. And you could rattle them on and, right. and he, and he, so, so having spoken to him and, uh, understanding that, you know, he, he was reading his Bible faithfully and, and getting these things. I got connected to his group, which included guys like Akeem and Akil. And we just realized that we had this common commitment to the scripture. Like all of us weren't at the same stage in terms of theological understanding, but we had a common fidelity to God's word. And so we started studying the Bible at university together. And so these sessions we would run uh, between four to six hours. And some of the men, uh, Shamar as well, also same school started presenting on Tulip Mm. and, other people would join and they'd be like, oh, yeah, we would invite people and tell them, yeah, you could come ask questions. There'll be someone presenting and then we'll have some discussion. And that that was really a game changer. It was helpful. It was uh, a time for fellowship. And I think the Lord really used that time mm-hmm. in a powerful way. Uh, I would say having gone having gone through that, though, um, uh, let me speak for myself that the there was a time in which I, I became just a little bit of, just a little bit cage stage and just thought Calvinism is all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And, yeah. if, and if you, even if you're not a Calvinist, you don't know anything. Yeah, you don't know anything. Like, you, you must not even love the Lord. <laughs> you get, you get what I mean. So, that, so, what, so cage stage is like this uh, thing where people say, 
sometimes it ought not to be so. Oh, but, but but sometimes it is the way that someone uh, comes to understand these biblical doctrines that we call Calvinism or whatever. And it's like you got to lock them up for two years. Oh, yeah. Because they become self-righteous, hostile, aggressive for a little while. Like they've really achieved something that, you know, these other morons out there can't, can't seem to understand, right? And it, I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's literally the opposite of what these doctrines should do to us, which is, which is actually to humble us and realize it's sheer grace by which we've been saved and we're, we're literally no better than the unbelievers out there by nature and God has done it all, right? So it really ought to make us humble. Exactly. But in your case, you're saying it oh, is. Yeah. <laughs> the knowledge puffed up, man. <laughs> it puffed right up. So, so I mean, yeah, the, that, that had its, its time where there was, there was tension and relationship and so on. And, um, but the, the, the Lord, the Lord was at work and in his mercy, thankfully I've, uh, matured out of that. But in, in that period, we started realizing that the various assemblies that we were at didn't some didn't very much align with the perspectives that we now thought the Bible was teaching. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that we were uh, had a perspective that we just th- came up with that was outside of the Bible. We thought that this is what God is actually saying in the text. Mm. And and the churches we were at weren't necessarily going along those lines. So we we each agreed that yeah, we, we need to find a place that's that's a, be- a better fit. And eventually by God's grace we got uh connected with uh Pastor Tyrone Brown mm. which was a which was like an oasis. Oh for sure. It was like an oasis at the time. It was it was amazing to to connect with him. So we were there we were there for a little while and then uh, and, and at the time he was he was connected to the the Nazarene circuit mm, so, up in Cliff Cottage. Up, the, up in Cliff Cottage, yeah. yeah. So we we were there for a little while um and by God's providence Shalisa Howell then Trotman then Trotman? No, they were married at the time. Shalisa Howell um saw a Facebook ad mm. that was put out by your your good team up in Canada. Mm. So so Pastor Chris and and you were uh down there doing that and we were up there. A- north man. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> down there is Barbados. We're very much closer to the equator. Up there. Yeah, we were up there planning and preparing and, and advertising down here, uh just to kinda get a feel for who, if anyone, may be interested in being part of a right. reformed church to be planted on the island. Right. So you guys saw th- those ads. We saw those ads. Mm-hmm. And, and before that, we were really praying, man. We were, we were honestly praying because the thing is, like, we were sorrowful in our hearts to leave anywhere where we were at. Like, we had meaningful connections there. Like, many, many of the people could testify, like I did. That it was because of these churches preaching of the gospel, preaching Christ and Him crucified, mm-hmm. that they came. They could say, "Well, I I came to faith through through that." Um, so, but at the same time, we recognized that uh, there was a, a growing uh, departure and a growing um, 
movement away from some of the doctrinal um, positions of those churches and ours. So we were just praying because, like, we didn't have the we recognize as much of cage stage Calvinists we were. We we recognized that we didn't have the experience or maturity to start a church ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we went looking around. We we visited uh, at least. It's probably more, but on the conservative side, to say at least 10 churches in, in Barbados right. looking for a church. And uh, some of them were great. There were there were great uh, leaders there, uh, good, godly people. In fact, there are some people that I haven't forgotten to this day. And uh, But at the same time, they, they still weren't uh, as close doctrinally to what our positions were at the time. So when we saw this ad come out from this... Uh, confessional reformed baptist church we were just like whoa so kamar kamar's wife shalisa was the first point of contact she told him about uh the ad mm-hmm. and he connected with you i remember meeting with them online <laughs> you did okay before before covid came and zoom was a thing uh, yeah. we were doing zoom meetings uh, okay. and uh, i remember meeting with them and a few others as well Okay. Yeah. 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 So he, he told us about you. And at first, like we, we, um, I guess didn't move on it with the same level of zeal and, uh, affirmation, or I should say approbation that he, he had. But when I met you, because I met you via Zoom as well, I was like, wow, yeah, this, this is the real deal. I feel, I feel really compelled. I feel very much knit to uh, the understanding and perspective that you're coming from. And I recognize at the time, as hard as it was for me to move away from uh, the, the Wesleyan Church and then uh, from Cliff Cottage, I recognized that there was just um, like a like a, a historic background and a traditional reformed baptist perspective that was not yet present in barbados mm. it just was not there mm-hmm. it, it we're the only confessional church in barbados currently so um i just grabbed that's going back to that more that distinction between sort of soteriologically reformed exactly versus more broadly reformed exactly right exactly. And historically reformed yeah exactly so uh, that that really that really uh encouraged me and um yeah, I, I, as difficult as it was, and as much as I appreciate the work at Cliff College, we we decided to to yeah. uh, join CRBC, and uh, we partner with them now. We we uh, they well, well to, I think they were trying to figure out at that time kind of where they were going. Oh yeah, and what they were doing. Oh yeah, and the Lord has answered prayers in spades because not only has CRBC been planted here in Barbados, but uh, Pastor Brown ended up planting Reformed Christian Fellowship. Yes. And so that's a huge answer to prayer. Yes. And we have this tight relationship now with Reformed Christian Fellowship. Yeah. Where, where Pastor Tyrone Brown is and, and some, some of the other guys that we know and love and respect. Oh yeah. And, um, sorry to, sorry to jump in there, but there was, there was that development on that front as well, which was a huge answer to prayer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, so, and and we've connected with with other brothers after that as well. So it's it's been amazing what God has done. Having having been praying for a church, 
to see CRBC planted. Then I think it was like literally a day or two or, or like a week or something like that. Man, within, within one week, uh, there was CRBC and Reformed Christian Fellowship and Harvest Bible Chapel. Yeah. Um, which we would all, we would consider all to be pretty good, healthy yeah. biblical churches. And, yeah. um, you know, and obviously we're building up relationships with, with some other guys. Right. Um, you know, Paul Garns, we had him preach for us recently from Berean yeah. Bible Church. Yeah. Um, solid biblical guy. Stephen Callender over at People's Jesus Baptist Christ. Church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Lord's doing something good, not just in CRBC. Yeah. But in other churches and, and in the lives of other men. Yeah. Um, as well. Right. There yeah. seems to be like this hunger for biblical church and biblical doctrine, biblical practices that seems to be burgeoning and growing. Right. Right. Oh, definitely. And um, the the very fact that the Lord would gift us that is just an act of sheer grace and kindness, man. Just an act of sheer grace and kindness. So For sure. So so let's let's uh, let me let me kind of like raise this question. Why do these things matter? Like, why do the doctrines of grace matter? What is why are we so hung up on? um you know, doctrine, even if it's, even if we're talking about not just reformed soteriology, but other, you know, historic reform distinctives, some, some of which we mentioned earlier or whatever. Like, why does, why does it matter whether a church is reformed or not? Whether, whether a church is Calvinistic or not? Why do these things matter? Is it, is it like one flavor of ice cream? Like someone likes vanilla, another person likes chocolate another person says like man forget both of those man it's it's all about the cookies and cream (laughs) like isn't it when it comes to church isn't it like flavors of ice cream and it's kind of like well each one should just find someone that something that they're comfortable with and kind of do what feels right to them or or uplifts them or encourages them like you know like our position could seem kind of like judgmental or possibly even offensive yeah to people that might say "Well, well why are these guys so hung up on you know, one, one type of church or one type of beliefs over another. Yeah. Well, I I think, I mean, ultimately why it matters is because God's truth matters. Mm. And, um, just as God, as we, we spoke about the regulative principle, just as God has prescribed that he ought to be worshiped in a certain way Mm. and, God can be more or less pleased, even though we're, we're talking Christian, we're not talking like heretical, like positions that purport to be Christian, Christianity, like even within right. leaving out those churches, leaving out those churches. And we're talking about all true, uh, true, true churches. Exactly. Believe the gospel. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even within that, that paradigm of the Catholic church, the universal church, um, Catholic meaning universal as opposed to Roman Catholic. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for the qualification. Even, even within that paradigm, like you can have a church that has closer, closer doctrinal fidelity, uh, than another church that has greater doctrinal faithfulness than another church to the scriptures, to the scriptures. Sure. And so, uh, it matters because what we believe matters. What we believe about God matters. What we believe about how we ought to live matters. What we believe about, you know, how a church ought to be governed matters and so on and so forth. So, um, the, to, to the person that says that, you know, we're being needlessly pedantic. 
well, you wouldn't take that position with respect to, well, does it matter how a church teaches you how you should live practically in holiness? Does it matter whether a church teaches you, well, you know, for instance, you sh- should do family worship or not, or whether you should uh, go to Grand Kaduman or not? Like, do do those things matter, like practical things? Well, I think more people would be easily receptive to saying, yes, yeah, that matters. But I think in the same vein, uh, we should see that, you know, the truth and what we believe concerning uh, the scripture matters, rightly interpreting the, interpreting the scripture matters. And it's not as though God has um, revealed uh, a, words that we can just pick and choose what we want to believe about them. There's one meaning of scripture and getting to that, understanding it and living it out rightly is of utmost import in, in the Christian's life. Yeah, as best so, as we can, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. One of the values of CRBC, we, we I kind of went through the four core values uh, in last episode, um, Bible-based, Christ-centered, mission-focused, and maturity-focused. But one of those values is Bible-based. We want everything we do and teach insofar as possible to be biblical. And this really should be a value of every church, Yeah. right? That we, we may meet with varying levels of success, but really it shouldn't be debatable whether this is the standard we're aiming at or not. Right. So, you know, while we um, can certainly recognize that churches with, with different doctrines and, and, and uh, various as, as we would perceive misunderstandings or, or misapprehensions of biblical truth are still brothers and sisters yeah, in Christ. Of course. Um, w- we would also still say that it's not neither here nor there. It's not like a, you know, different strokes for different folks kind of thing or <laughs> yeah. different flavors of ice cream. Each one just choose as he prefers. Yeah. Um, churches can be genuine biblical churches full of genuine biblical believers and yet be at varying degrees of health yeah. and varying degrees of conformity to scripture. Right. So we want to walk that line of, uh, you know, playing nicely with others, so to speak. Uh, yeah. we want to, we want to get along, uh, have a proper sense of, familial love and respect for all other true Christian churches. And yet at the same time, we want to try to be as biblical of a church as we can be and also encourage other churches to do the same, right? And and to pursue that kind of doctrinal reformation and, and moral reformation to try to be as healthy and biblical as they can be, which, as you said, is, 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 is more honoring to God. Uh, definitely. Yeah, it most certainly is so that's that's the that's the line we want to work down towards ultimately glorifying god not just with our practice but what we believe because we believe that's more honoring to god right so for sure yeah so we're we're not the only church in the island um that we think is a healthy biblical church there are others as well we mentioned a few guys that we would really highly commend yeah a few other churches as well um, but but we want to be collaborators with all other true Christian churches to say, hey, we may be at varying places on this journey. Right. Uh, we may be coming from different perspectives. We may have attained differing degrees. But let's all pursue this one aim together of seeing churches in Barbados be more and more biblical, yeah. both in doctrine and practice. And, yeah. and we want to work collaboratively as allies, right, as family members, as brothers in Christ to this great end. 
And, and that involves sometimes, you know, making a distinction, um, between what's healthy and what's not, what's true and what's false, what's biblical and what's unbiblical. Right. So we, it's kind of like trying to walk that balance yeah. between trying to say, Hey, um, there's an issue here that needs to be addressed. Um, maybe in the Barbadian church at large where there are a lot of doctrinal errors, um, out there. Right. And a lot of misguided beliefs and practices. But at the same time, we want to just be loud and clear. Like we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. In all true churches, irrespective of denomination. Right. 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 You know, and somehow, somehow just trying to find that sweet spot. Right. It's it's almost like, um, you could use a medical analogy, right? That you don't want, you don't want to go in with, uh, stomach pain and the doctor's like, man, there's nothing wrong with you, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be judgmental. Yeah, right. It's like, no, man, you want, you want to get better. Yeah. So you want to be able to see what's wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. And sometimes we just have to say, hey, man, we want, we believe this is biblical and not that. Right. right. This is, this is more God glorifying and not that. Right. We want to try to walk that line of being true. Um, but, or truthful, but, but speaking the truth in love, as the scripture says. Yeah. And that's the only pathway towards true unity. Right. It it really is. Like if, if we ignore those things and just want to celebrate everyone's differences, <laughs> then that really undermines the unity that the scripture is aiming at because there is a truth to be directed towards. Like united around what? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so for sure. Yeah. I think a, a quote from Mark Dever is a suitable way to wrap things up here on this uh, episode. He said, the, the thing, the one thing that unites us is weightier, heavier mm. than those things which distinguish us from one another mm. as true Christians. Mm. In other words, there are things which distinguish us from one another. We've got to acknowledge those things and try to address those things. But at the same time, Christ and his gospel unite all true believers in Christ, right? Amen. And we want to give proper weight to that. Oh yeah. And express that Catholicity, right? Yeah. That universalness. Oh yeah. Of the whole body of Christ and not just, you know, as if the whole body of Christ consists only of Reformed Baptists or something, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Amen. Well, thanks for joining me on this, this episode, Jonathan. Maybe we can take a deep dive at some point into these doctrines of grace. Um, you know, and maybe explore some of the other issues we've raised or questions that might come up in future episodes, but I think that's plenty for today. Yeah. So we'll wrap it up there. And uh, thanks again for, for joining me today and we will um, schedule another episode at some point soon. Like I said, in the first one, we don't have a regular release schedule, so I can't say what it's going to be about or when it's coming because even I don't know, Yeah. but that's all for today.